Midlands. Love. Midlands 103. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. WORshaw.ie. Good evening and welcome to Country Life here on Midlands 103. It's MJ Cleary with you for the next hour, bringing you the latest from the Midlands and further afield from the worlds of agriculture, food and agribusiness. Now, thank you all for joining me this evening and welcome to the programme. Rain, rain, go away is what we're all saying at the moment. Weather is not where we want it to be and probably paying for that dry February now. Awful lot of rain since I was speaking to you last. Everywhere waterlogged at this stage. And more of the same for the next few days, unfortunately. But with the clocks going forward on Saturday, let's hope the long days help with drying and some mild weather. Fingers crossed those long days now are going to just give us that drying that we need. Uh, we need three or four days of good good dry spring weather and that will get us back on track. Things change very quickly at this time of the year and not to forget that. On to this evening's programme. Milk prices have seen a considerable drop since the start of the year and the most recent figures show another slide. Larkin Roach Kelly from the Irish Farmers Journal will join me later to give us some information as to what's behind this and also an update on oil and fertiliser prices. Uh, We won't feel the harvesting season coming around the corner and oil obviously going to be the big one uh, for green diesel. going to have a knock-on effect for all areas of agriculture. A Chagas advisor from County Galway recently carried out a very interesting experiment whereby he put a Hereford heifer in the freezer and weighed exactly how much meat he got in the process. The findings make for very interesting reading and the difference in kill-out versus the amount of actual meat on the ground is the part that really makes you sit up and take notice. Keith Fahey from Chagas Athenry will join me later to chat about the results of this very interesting experiment. Bog re-wetting is going to save the entire planet, according to the Green Party, and whether we like it or not, it's happening full speed ahead. However, the ICMSA are not happy and feel enough research hasn't been carried out by the government. Offaly man Michael Guinan, chair of Offaly ICMSA, will join me later to give more information on this and also an update as to why Minister Eamon Ryan is refusing their request for a meeting. As always, text to show your comments, thoughts or questions to 083 30 10 103. Now to start this evening, we are talking about the new Suckler scheme. It has just been announced and we have Brendan Golden, IFA Beef Chairman, on the line. Brendan, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thank you and good evening to your listeners. Uh, So Brendan, the much-anticipated Suckler scheme, the details are now out. We're going to speak about it in just a moment. There's a lot to get through on it. But just in advance of that, as Beef Chair of the IFA, obviously farmers ringing you on a daily basis, talking about the trade and the market. How would you describe the current beef trade for us, Brendan? Um, The beef trade is strong at the moment and numbers are tightening all the time. Last week's kill came in just under 30,000, which is low for this time of year. And Orbea figures are saying that, you know, the the numbers are going to stay low over over the next few months. So it's positive for the trade. And we are seeing prices between 5.20 and 5.30 per kilo for for, um, steers and heifers. Or for steers this weekend, five twenty-five and up to five forty for for heifers, and even some some flat price deals higher. Um, young bulls um, are coming in between five ten and five sixty per kilo, and cows between five fifty and five ten. And they, as they say and goes, shop around and fight for every penny you can get because we know what the cost of feed prices at the moment are 
very, very high and you know, we need everything we can get. I was going to say, Brendan, yeah, like the numbers are good, but when you go and pay your Miller and play pay for those concentrates with the current prices, it's still, it's as you say, it's all That's all needed. You, last last week, I think the official R3 price that was paid um, from department figures was somewhere in the region of 550 a kilo. And we know from Chagas figures earlier on this year that the cost of feeding this winter were running anywhere up to six euro a kilo. So that tells its own tale. Yeah, uh, smaller numbers of animals as well. Brendan often speak with Adam Woods here uh, from the Farmer's Journal on the programme. Adam would often put the case forward of the smaller farmer, even with factory fit cattle, to go to the mart with them as there is more competition. What would your thoughts be on that? Um, at the moment, yes, there's very strong demand in the mart for factory fit cattle. Now, you do need to do your figures because I know that if you're looking at the mart, there's cattle that may be, say, a month or six weeks out. Yes, you'll probably do a lot better with them in the mart. Then, if you have cattle that are well fit to kill, I would say price rounds and make your decisions based on that because, like, if you have cattle that are fully fit to kill and if you're ticking all the boxes, mart may not be as good an option. So it's it's very much dependent on the cattle you have on the day, but mart prices are phenomenally strong at the moment and definitely for cattle that may be a month or six weeks out um, the mart is definitely an option if you want to opt out and you're definitely going to do better on those cattle in the mart Yeah very good, now Brendan moving on to the new Suckler scheme, it's called the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Programme, it's very hard to keep up with all these acronyms now at the moment, this one is SCEP and it was brought out this week by the Minister for Agriculture, I know you were at an information meeting uh, yesterday evening on it in Mullingar Brendan, look, from a, a holistic point of view, from a, a whole category on it, how is it looking? Is it looking good, bad or indifferent? We'll go into money and all that now in a second, but what are you thinking from the outset? Well, look, farmers have been used of the Beef Data Genomics Programme for the last five years, uh, six years, well, it's even seven years because we were rolled over for the couple of years. So farmers that have been partaking in that have an idea of what's been asked and what's been looked for in this new scheme. Now the ambition is a lot higher in this one and I suppose there's, we know it's it's described as an environmental scheme um, and the, that even comes through in the in the wording and the, the, the name of the scheme. It's an environmental an environmental scheme. So we do have the, the asks from an environmental point of view and then with the climate challenge that's there as well, we're looking towards reducing our carbon footprint um, in the process. And, you know, they're saying that the four and five star um, animals are delivered better in, in that sphere. So there's a lot of the a lot of the stuff that's being pushed in there. Is, that's probably where a lot of the, the asks are coming from. And to get, I know, the, with what's coming from Europe at the moment and, and even in the current cap, the asks from the environmental side and the climate side are gone up a, a lot higher and that's weighing in on top of this scheme as well. But the one thing I will say is there's there's fifty three million a year there, two hundred and fifty six million I think, um, over the programme available for suckler farmers. That's money that's badly needed on farms and we want to see suckler farmers drawing down that money. Yes, absolutely, Brendan, it's badly needed, no question about it. How much are we talking per cow per per annum? Um, per cow on the first, well, it's 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 it was 
the minister had said 150 euro on the first 10 cows or whatever. That's what he was saying. Now, as it turns out, it's a it's paid on a per hectare basis. And when they're they have said in in what they put out there that they will pay 225 euro per hectare on the first 15 hectares, and then 120 per hectare on on the hectares after after that. That is amounting to when you do the calculation, it's amounting to. 150 euro odd on the first 22 cows, which is worth about 3,375 on 22 cows, and then on thereafter it's worth 120 per cow. But for for farmers just to put figures into their head, I suppose 10 cows is ballpark worth between 15 and 1600 euro when mm. you do the calculation, and um, the 22 cows, as I said, is coming in at 3,375. And 30 cows, I think, off my head is coming in at um, 4250. So it is a significant amount of money. And the the um, the fact that it's on 22 instead of 10 is very welcome development from, from farmers' point of view, I think. Yeah. And we, Ab- we certainly Ab- hope. Yeah, abs- no, absolutely, Brendan. I suppose on those figures, the way Suckler Farmer has gone in around, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but just from my own... Um, movements around and talking to suckler farmers probably in around 20 cows is around what you're talking about now on, on average down from a lot a number of years ago but it's very rare you see huge suckler farmers anymore oh that's the thing and you know a lot of the bigger suckler farmers probably transitioned into dairy um, over the last number of years as well and you know we very much want to support the, the suckler all suckler farmers because with the cost that's there at the moment, you know, all the current costs are really putting a damper on it. And But then on the other side of it is the marks are very positive at the minute and farmers are paying very strong money for replacement efforts. So there's definitely an air of confidence in some aspects, even though the, everyone is hoping that they, our costs will, will decrease as we go through this year. And I think that's a key thing as well. And... The one thing I'd never be apologetic either for the money we get, and and as suckler farmers, because there's actually when you go around the world, there's no beef produced around the world without government support of some shape or form. Because the reality of it is, it all ties into food policy and and policy directions on keeping consumers happy with with providing a, a cheap and safe supply of food as well. So, um, we're we're saying you know with the we've got. In, in our cap payments with the convergence and everything, some of the more, um, some of the sub farmers that were more dependent on payments are losing it on the one hand. And it's very much why we would feel that targeted payments directly towards suckler farmers for what, for what they're doing is very important at this moment in time. And we want to build on this payment as well because there's 28 million there available that the Minister announced in the last budget for a replacement for the BPS scheme as well. We know that that he took some of that money and put it into the new suckler scheme because the weigh-in measure has gone into the new suckler scheme. But we very much want to build on top of this payment of 130-odd per cow now, and hopefully that that money will bring us up to maybe over a bit over the 200 euro. We won't know for sure until we see how, how they propose and paying out that money, but it's something we want to build on. Very good. Uh, Brendan, look, we will uh, have you back and we'll talk more about the particulars on it. But for this evening, we have uh, an overview of it and we're aware of it. And we'll say many thanks for joining me here on the programme. No problem. Thank you.
uh, Brendan Golden there, IFA Beef Chair. And that is positive news for suckler farmers. That payment is going to be very welcome. And it is looking like it's going to be in around that figure of, as Brendan said, €150 a cow for the first 22 cows. Let's talk about 20 cows. It's a €3,000 payment. There is also news of... There's going to be a beep payment as well. News in the Farmer's Journal tomorrow that that beep payment could be worth about €65 per cow. So all in all, you're going to be talking over €200 per cow, uh, well over €200 per cow, €215, if... Uh, that budget isn't um, depleted by oversubscription. So we'll wait and see in relation to that. But at the moment, it's looking like it's going to be that figure. And Minister McConnell said, I promised €200 per suckler cow in supports as part of my election manifesto, and I'm going to deliver that, he said. And in fairness, he has delivered it. Uh, There's no question about it. Now, there are plenty of hurdles you have to jump over in order to get that money in that new scheme you have to be quality assured is the main one that's the big difference with the old scheme the old scheme quality assurance wasn't involved in it so you have to be bored be a quality assured there's going to be a weigh and measure involved you're going to have have to use a four or five star bull you're going to have to have four or five star replacement heifers so look all that will come on stream but at the moment, if you were in the last BDGP, it's obviously it's a no-brainer to join it. And look, if you're a suckler farmer of 20 cows, you're going to be joining it anyway because it's, you're going to be doing all those things uh, regardless to improve your breed quality. And it's going to be a payment of, as we said, 20 cows, 150 plus 65. We're talking over 6,000 there, which, you know, it's huge money in relation to suckler farming given the annual beef income is about 10,000 according to Chagast figures. So we'll have more on that going forward, but that's been announced today. And the closing date for that is not for a couple of months, so don't worry, it's not out until May. The actual definitive closing date hasn't been set in stone yet, but it's out close to the single payment date, or whatever the single payment is called this year, I, I forget it. But to bear that in mind and keep an eye on all the measures and just see what you think of it. Now, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking uh, still on the topic of beef. I have Keith Foley. He's Chagas advisor from Matt and Rye. And he put a Hereford heifer into the freezer and he weighed exactly how much meat he got. And the interesting finding was the difference between the kill out and the amount of meat on the ground. So stay tuned for that in just a moment. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're very welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. Now, delighted to be joined by Keith Fahey, Chagas Advisor from Athen Rye in County Galway. Keith, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Me on the show. Uh, nice to be more, you're more than welcome, Keith. Uh, I came across you with a very interesting article in yesterday's Farming Independent, and it is about butchering a heifer for the freezer. A uh, hugely interesting. We'll run through the particulars of it in a moment. But uh, first, what was the the light bulb moment for writing an article like this, Keith? Why? What was the reason behind it? Yeah, well, I suppose I, I kind of always thought about maybe doing one for the the freezer at home. We'll say, um, Dad, when we had sheep when I was younger, we'd say. He would have uh, killed a few lambs for the freezer um, and that, but we never killed the beef animal. So um, we we kind of we do a calf and maybe store to beef there, and um, <clears throat> so we reared uh, calves last year there. So um, we had a few coming up or whatever. So I decided, you know, uh, uh, now or never. So I said I just we try one heifer to see how it goes, you know, 
and um, so we uh, obviously had to get a bigger freezer. That was one of the first things we had to do. But I picked out one of the easier, lighter flesh heifers, I suppose. She was one of the lighter ones. The other ones would have been a good bit heavier. So I said she kind of fleshed up very well as well. So she was kind of very fleshed for her weight, we'll say. So um, I just decided to pick her then. She was a, a Hereford cross heifer out of a out of a dairy Frisian cow. Um, so um, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at the picture of her here, Keith, just on the newspaper, and she had a lovely cover of fat up in her back. She was just nicely fit, like. Yeah, she was. To be fair, I'd say she would have been. Um, I kind of predicted, we'll say, uh, when I was doing the article on her, I'd, you know, I weighed her the morning of the sale and that, and um, I kind of con- I conditioned her score and kind of guessed the grading of her myself. I would have kind of predicted that maybe she would have been in around the O minus four minus maybe or something in along the lines of that. There was there was better heifers there that would have gone maybe O equal so plus and the odd one went to R minus, but. Uh, she probably had a, a more more fat on than some of the maybe better grade heifers, but um, yeah, she was a kind of a nice butcher's heifer. She was about four ninety seven. She was exactly sorry four ninety seven kilos and exactly twenty months to the day uh, when we when, when we sent her to the factory there. So um, did yeah, she get did she get much concentrate, uh, Keith? Uh, just under running. Yeah, so in the running, um, I suppose she got around between five and six kilos for roughly 60 days. And the last around three weeks or that, uh, the first, we'll say, 40, 45 days, she would have got um, about five kilos of nuts at grass, we'll say. I was kind of strip grazing them there uh, towards the back end. And then we were kind of running tight in grass um, and wanted to keep some for the, the yearlings, we'll say. And the kind of conditions were going back a little bit as well. The ground was getting a bit softer, so I brought in the heifers and um, started feeding them with silage. Then we decided to receive the stuff there that we uh, would receive it in May. And uh, so she was getting about five and a half to six kilos roughly. Of that, we'll say three kilos in the morning and three kilos in the evening, um, along with uh, silage ad lib as well, for about 20 days and 40 days at grass. Then she was getting nuts for you know, yeah, you didn't, you didn't overdo her on it, but she obviously it it, uh, it it worked well. But a lot of these breeds they they, they kind of finish in spidey off on the grass, regardless. Uh, looking at the, the fat cover, then you're talking about the fat cover. I can see here you have uh, a few of the, the sides hanging up a picture, and then you have your, your boxes of meat. There was plenty, just a nice amount of fat on her, she wasn't over fat, but she was just bang on. Yeah, the, the butcher there, um, so it's a kind of a father and son team there um, that that, um, that did it for me. So there's, a, there's Farrell's Abattoir is what it was known as in Athen Rye there. And Brian Carroll there runs uh, Farrell's Abattoir in um, in Athen Rye. And his father then, Tony Carroll, runs a butcher shop in uh, Ballinus Low. So uh, Brian uh, slaughtered the heifer and cut her up or whatever. Then Tony... <coughs> Uh, you know, made the, the cuts of her, we'll say, and labelled her and bagged her. And I have to say, fair play to the two boys. They made a they made a great job with it. But yeah, the lad said that she was just uh, lovely, lovely fleshed. She had just enough, like not too much or not too little. So they said she made a, a nice heifer. But um, no, they did actually trim off a good bit off her as well. Um, so in spots, you know, I suppose as you said there with the Herefords and the Anguses and maybe some of the earlier maturing uh, traditional breeds. Uh, they they can get fat very quick and it was funny actually I had uh, I had planned to go with her the week before with the and um, I think they had extra cattle or something that happened that week so they got pushed on another week but I kept feeding her which you could even see in in the week um, she laid down a nice bit of fat an extra seven or nine days or something or whatever it was you know 
Yeah, no, 100%. Absolutely. No, a week makes a, bit, a big difference. As we're talking to Brendan Golan here just beforehand, he said even cattle in the, that last month uh, running up to finishing that the mark could be a better spot, spot for them. It does, you know, it, it's amazing how, how quick they mature at that stage. The really interesting figure on it for me, uh, Keith, is your kill out. Right, so we're often talking about kill out. What's an animal going to kill out? Uh, you had it weighed, this heifer was weighed 497 kilos and then she hung up at 245. So you were roughly 50 50 there. I, probably a little, a little slightly 49 percent actually is what it was uh, yeah. which is yeah. kind of what we what we usually think of uh with those 50 50 is kind of what we have you were obviously reasonably satisfied with that i was yeah i kind of had weighed i nearly weighed a lot of them when they were going and they kind of range from around 47 to about 52 or 53 you'd be doing well now to get uh, them above the 52 percent out of a dairy bred animal we'll say but um, yeah, so I predicted, or she came back at exactly 245 kilos, and we killed her in um, October there, um, I think it was the 8th of October, no, sorry, 8th of November, I'm wrong, sorry, the 8th of November, and uh, the beef price, all right, at, the, at, at that time, was a good bit lower than it was now, it was uh, 460, we'll say, the week we killed her, and... Uh, uh, at the moment now you'd probably get 5.25 or 5.30 so you know at 60 cent it's a, it's a fair difference you know it's a huge um, yeah no it's a, it's a huge difference uh, Keith and that's where that's the next uh, the next part on when it comes to meat on the ground so this is one that uh, listeners will be very interested in and this is where we'll talk about the actual figures then versus a factory kill so your 4.97 kilo animal uh, she hung up at 2.45 but the actual amount of meat you had on the ground when you had your mince your burgers your roasts and your steaks and everything that came in at 143.2 kilos so almost you could say almost half again uh, was born essentially when she was deboned and she was brought down to the meat uh, did that give you a surprise it did to be honest with you i would uh, you know like it's something i never did before um and i kind of had an interest in it when i was in college i um i would have worked in a super value in a butcher so i kind of had an interest always in it you know and um I would I would have thought it would have been a lot higher. Now I suppose on the other side of it, you know, if you had a, you know, a continental out of a suckler cow, would say a limousine out of a limousine or Charlie out of a limousine or cemental or that, you know, and you had your U grade heifer, would say that would you know would be mm. a lot higher in terms of kill out uh, first, you know. So um, that was a big difference, and I suppose you do see some some butchers buying uh, the more more type continentals but um yeah but even you know when i seen when i went to pick up the the meat um look tony is very professional showed me everything he went through everything uh, he knew i was very interested in it and uh, but he showed me the, the the bags of trim and the bags of bone and you wouldn't believe like you wouldn't actually believe it until you'd see it how much actual trim and bone that actually mm. comes out of the animal you know and this is the, the the interesting figure. Your amount of meat then on the ground, you, you retail priced it. You went through it all here and you've round roast down at uh, 11 a kilo and sirloin at 24 You weighed it all, you went through it. And uh, as, as, it's, as it stood in uh, the boxes, if you were to go and buy it uh, for retail, you're just under €2,000 worth of meat. €1,991. Let's call it 2000 just to, to make it yeah. make it straightforward. And if you had killed that animal... At today's prices, for example, the um, five thirty, five twenty, five thirty, uh, with bonuses and whatnot, that animal would be coming into thirteen hundred euro. So you're talking a differential there of seven hundred euro 
between what you got and between what uh, it would go for for retail. Like it's not an it's not an enormous difference when you take into account the logistics to have to go to getting it to a shop and p- people purchasing it and movement and transport and and whatnot. No, actually, and to be honest, it was a figure that I thought would be a lot higher. I was I was expecting it to come near the two and a half thousand. To be honest with mm. you, you know. Um, but it's yeah, it was a lot lower than I thought. Now I suppose what I haven't factored in there, and I suppose you know you, you talk about your fifth quarter, your hide, mm, your lungs, absolutely. your liver, your bones, your bone marrow, cheek meat, kidneys, heart. You know you have a lot of that as well, which the factories do you know get money for. We'll say, but you know they're all very low cuts. Like you could be talking twenty to thirty euro a hide. Uh, roughly, which I found out actually since I was talking to a, a guy that works in a factory there at the weekend, and um, yeah, he was saying that the, the price of hides halved there in the last few weeks. So, so, but you know, you have your liver, your bones, your cheek meat. I suppose, like they do add up, but however, they don't add up to a significant amount. Um, I suppose, but yeah, no, it was quite interesting to see. You know, I would have thought there would have been a lot more than seven hundred. When you think about it, like. That seven hundred euro has to cover a profit for the factory and we'll say the supermarket or super, you know, the mm. the butcher chain or whatever. So you've, you know, there's an awful lot of people have to be paid, and I'm not standing up for the factory. Yeah, or, no, or absolutely. Yeah, it's just interesting, uh, Keith. You know, but uh, like when you think about it, the haulage, the animals have to be killed, electricity, um, you know, advertising, mm, uh, wages, and, everything. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, and you know, obviously, heat and light and refrigeration is a massive cost in that. But so I suppose it really is a numbers game. Like it's a, it is a lot tighter margin than I would have expected. You know, it was a, it was a, an interesting figure. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And Keith, I'm just out of time on that. We just uh, r- ran to the break there, so I'm going to say, listen, Manny, thanks for joining me, giving a rundown of it all. A hugely interesting little piece of work there, and uh, no doubt we might speak to you again here on the program at some stage, Keith Fahey. Manny, thanks, Keith. No matter. Thanks for having me. And as I said, Keith Fahey there from Chagas in Athenry. And a hugely interesting piece there. And there's your difference uh, with beef prices as they are at the moment. 1300 versus 2000 And as Keith said, look, the, the factory's no question about it. It's a numbers game. And also, that fifth quarter is where they're getting a little bit of cream on top there, where all that extra part of the animal is going that the likes of Keith didn't use uh, for his. He didn't take any of the offal, any of the bone, any of that, any of the hide, obviously. And that is where, again, numbers, 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 they're going on and they're creating a profit as well. But uh, really interesting little piece there, I must say. Now, coming up after the break, we're going to be talking to Larkin Roach Kelly from the Irish Farmers Journal on the decline of milk prices and what is behind it. So stay tuned for that. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie you're very welcome back to Country Life here in Midlands 103. I'm delighted to be joined by Larkin Roach Kelly from the Farmers Journal. Uh, Larkin, many thanks for taking my call this evening. No problem, MJ. Great to be back on again. Uh, you're more than welcome, Larkin. And uh, as people are aware, you're the agribusiness editor with the paper. So look, you're keeping your finger on the pulse of all things business related, which essentially is every element of agriculture now. Uh, it's not like it was years ago where uh, guys were maybe scratching their head wondering what global prices were about. As we know, it's all linked in now. And one of those areas is that of milk prices. We're seeing a decline. Dairy farmers not overly happy over the course of the last couple of months. We got results in the last week or so on another maybe five, six cent drop. Uh, what's behind this, Larkin? 
I, I think, as, as you say, dairy farmers aren't happy with this, but I, I don't think um, it's unexpected the prices going down for where they were last year. They were very high. I think what is catching people slightly by surprise is the speed of decline. We're seeing prices dropping very fast in some places. And I think maybe that's kind of, I suppose, one thing we're seeing, this was a few corporate reports around that we saw Fonterra, that's the big New Zealand cooperative, reported there last Friday. And one thing they said that they're finding that the demand for, I suppose, um, full-fat dairy, full-fat um, milk products is falling. So they're putting a lot of their production to other things like sea, like um, cheeses and into low-fat um, dairy powder and stuff like that. They kind of change their product mix a bit to try and keep their margins high and try and keep their profits up. But if the main part that's coming in, which is just full-cream, full um, full-fat milk, is they're finding that hard to sell on at the price they want, it's kind of going to put pressure across the whole global market. There is a few other factors playing in. I think a lot of people expected when China reopened that it would lead to a huge surge in demand from China, but we're not seeing that at all. I think one thing to be aware of in China is a lot of the products we were selling there was um, dairy powder for baby products, and the Chinese people have just not been having babies lately. So it's kind of a market that we thought might be there isn't really coming back very well. Another of this bits and pieces could on the world, but I think the prices we saw last year were exceptionally high. We have to admit that. I think the thing we have to be worried about and watch out for is see how quick they're falling and they are falling very fast which I think is worrying for farmers Yeah, no, absolutely In relation then to other costs obviously if uh, milk prices fall if input prices uh, fall uh, slightly as well then uh, the margin won't be affected as much Where are we on that? If we start off with fertiliser the big one for the springtime what are we looking at fertiliser-wise? Are we going to stay where we're at? Uh, We know uh, prices up the north have been falling but not at the same down the south yeah, I, I think there is there is, a, there is a big pressure on fertilizer prices still. Prices have fallen up, but the pressure is still there. I think a lot of farmers are still looking out for better prices. They know they can get a good price in the north. We've seen um, some fresh fertilizer imports come out, imports come in, in recent weeks with a lower price as well. Like so a lot of the fertilizer suppliers in Ireland might have quite a lot of stock standing in their yard that they bought at higher prices last year. That they they kind of you know they don't they sell it at market price right now. They're going to be losing money. They don't want to bring those losses on board. But I think there's going to come a point where the pressure on the price is going to stay downward at the moment because, one, the, as we saw, the thing that drove fertiliser prices up in 2022 was the input price for fertiliser, which is natural gas, and that went up to €300 Euros per term, and it's now back around 45 46 So the input price for fertiliser has really fallen. So we should see fertiliser kind of edging back to the long-term average over the next six months. Whether we get there for the busy season this at the start of the year, we don't quite know yet. But I think farmers have to really shop around for fertilizer right now because still there are bargains to be had and there are also people that are trying to charge too much money. I suppose it is a seller's market, uh, Larkin, realistically. If there's expensive stock in the yard, the merchants aren't going to drop it because they know people need it for the springtime and they need it for the silage season. So it's one of those ones where if they hold, they hold, they hold. As you say, do a bit of shopping around, but uh, they're probably not going to be a million miles off each other either given the time of the year, realistically. I think also if you watch it, like if farmers can get stuff in the north, I know that's not an option for people that are too far down the country. But I think it's definitely keeping air out for what's happening on because there is like people will start to move as well because as new supplies come in, they can cover their costs better now. If they can buy fertilizer cheaper themselves, get in, get into the yard, and kind of you know take some bit of hit on what's standing near because they made good money last year and by all accounts, so they should be able to take some bit of hit this year. In but relation, you know, fertilizer shop around is the, the is 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 the key word. Absolutely, Larkin. Uh, talking about crude oil, then and then, obviously, going to be uh, green diesel is going to be our big concern over the next couple of months. We won't feel it. I know we're talking about rain, uh, but we won't feel the silage season in uh, six or seven weeks' time. What way are we looking in relation to that? 
Um, well, we, we were kind of looking at crude oil, but was really kind of a dead stick around $75 a barrel for the last three or four months. So it was really holding steady. We needed to make sure the production was keeping up, the refining was keeping up. Everything's kind of looking okay. Like the price wasn't like or kind of around a euro a litre on, on um, agri-diesel. It's kind of where we were, and it looks very stable. We've seen the price of oil drop quite a lot in the last week. That was because like there's a lot of global economic concerns over the banking sector, everybody has another recession, all that kind of stuff. And once people get nervous about growth in the economy, oil is the first thing to sell off, which may sound like good news for farmers to get cheap diesel, but unfortunately a lot of the diesel product that we use in Ireland, it comes from refineries in France. And refineries in France right now are mostly shut down because of strikes. A lot of strikes on the French at the moment. So we're kind of, Joe, like, like swings around about we mightn't see a huge drop coming. Hopefully it'll come in the next kind of three to six weeks, but in the next couple of weeks we probably won't see a huge drop coming, I don't think. Yeah, uh, the French love a strike, don't they? They, they, well, they, they're they striking mad at the moment, fair play to them. The, yeah. Mr. Mr. O'Connor is trying to bring the retirement age all the way up to 64. They're not having that. No, they're not having it. Love bank holiday out in France. Um, now, moving on, uh, Larkin, last yes, year, I was going to say, last week you did a land report on the Farmer's Journal and it was about uh, prices over the course of the, last, uh, the previous 12 months. Irish farmland yeah. breaks 12,000 an acre on average for the first time since the Celtic Tiger. Look, land is on the up. Uh, can you see it coming anyway? back personally i don't larkin with the way the whole nitrate thing is going i think it's going to stay moving forward what's your thought process on it i think it's definitely going to stay moving forward as well i think like you know, like you said got over twelve thousand euros an acre last year it wasn't a huge gain on the year like it was only up three percent on the year if you look at the year where like so so that was land that that flows but you'll always hear the stories about land making twenty thousand twenty two thousand euros an acre you know because two farmers wanted and that like for land to sell you know yourself you need two people mm-hmm. to want to buy it not one person but I think if you look, we did crunch some numbers for this report, uh, from my point of view, we looked at like what people are going to do with land and what demand, where the demand for land is coming from. And what we're seeing, okay, we've got the, like I said, the nitrogen um, derogation, the numbers dropping down from 240 to 220. Farmers, farmers looking for a bit more land. But also you've got so many other things that are putting pressure on land for the next three to five to seven years, up to about 2030. Looking at forestry expanding out to, I think, a 17% of land cover from 11% right now. Mm. That's going to take a lot of the marginal land. It's going to squeeze a lot of marginal farmers who might look to get some better land somewhere else. We also have solar coming in in a big way. And solar is taking an awful lot of land that's good quality land because the solar investments, they want a large piece of land <clears throat> that's flat and it's south of a line. If you draw a line from, say, Dublin to Galway, it's south of that line, which is where the best land in the country is. But these guys are paying a thousand euros an acre to lease land, and they're paying for twenty-five years. And at the end of twenty-five years, you get your land back to take everything away. So they're, they're very tempting contracts for a lot of farmers. If someone's looking at saying, "I don't want to keep, I don't want to keep farming, but I don't want to sell my land," I'll sell, give it to one of these guys, the solar guys, and at the end of twenty-five years, I get my land back. Because if your option for those guys is forestry, forestry is great return for twenty years. You get a tax-free lump sum of up to a thousand euros a hectare at the moment under new policies. But your land is always in trees afterwards. You'll never get it back again. It's gone to trees, and that's where it's going to stay. So I think solar is one of the really big things you have to keep buying for the land market. Also, the dairy guys have money right now, so they're buying land. They're pricing a lot of other people out of land. So if you if the tillage guys are priced out, definitely the beef guys are completely priced out of land. If the tillage guys are getting priced out, that sector gets squeezed as well. So you might see fewer tillage farmers. So when the price of land when the dairy guys maybe in a few years have less money to spend, there might be fewer tillage farmers left. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the next couple of years. 
but it's very hard to see how land prices could drop from here. It kind of feels like they're going to keep rising away because there's so much money chasing them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Finally, Larkin, in about 20 seconds, can you just tell me what you're writing about in tomorrow's Farmer's Journal, please? Well, just kind of, I suppose, hitting on a team we've hit on the last couple of weeks because we looked at one last week. We looked at um, the price of billion a shed, how much it's gone up in the last couple of years. We're looking at the same thing now. We're kind of looking at interest rates. Look at, we're kind of explaining some of the stuff that's happened in the global economy in the last week because it has been very interesting and been all very newsy. So we're giving a kind of take on what that might need for the average farmer. And there's many, many, many other deeply interesting and very important nuggets for the farming industry. And so they go out and buy it first thing in the morning. You'll pick up loads of information. And you didn't even have to rehearse that last line, Larkin. It was like a pre-record. Uh, <laughs> Larkin, I'm going to say many thanks. Said it before. Many thanks, Anna, for joining me this evening. Look, great rundown there, and we will speak to you again, okay? No problem, Talk to Bye-bye. Larkin Roach Kelly there from the Irish Farmers Journal. And I have to say, look, great rundown there on all those different areas of uh, global economy, the global economy, as Larkin called it. That's what it is now. It's all the one, really. Uh, no matter what way you look, something's happening out in California with a bank. It's having a knock-on effect over here. Something in China's having an effect here, and it's all a big uh, circular economy, as as they say. And uh, bank lending is what they're looking at tomorrow in the Farmer's Journal. Now, coming up after the break, I'm going to be talking to Michael Guinan from the ICMSA. Uh, he is the Offaly chairman. He's not happy with the bog re-wetting, which is occurring at the moment, and he's going to tell us about how Eamon Ryan is refusing to have a sit-down and have a chat with them. So stay tuned for that. Country Life on Midlands 103. Brought to you by W. Orshaw Burlington Business Park Tillamore. Supplier of New Holland's tractors in the Midlands. Worshaw.ie. And you're welcome back to Country Life here on Midlands 103. I'm joined by Michael Guinan from the ICMSA Rahan Man. Michael, many thanks for taking my call this evening. Thanks for having me on, Andrew. Uh, Michael, you attracted a bit of media coverage, national media coverage, I should say, in the last few weeks in relation to your concerns on bog re-wetting. Uh, if you are travelling through the Midlands at the moment, especially if you're driving from Burr over across tr- towards Clahan, you'll see any amount of activity at the moment in relation to uh, bog re-wetting. Now, you're not overly happy with this, Michael, from your ICMSA perspective. Uh, you feel it's... Uh, happening unabated however you feel maybe not enough has actually been done not enough uh, investigation in this area uh, well our concern MJ is like we haven't a problem with the rewetting and Bournemouth can rewet all their own land no problem where we have a problem if you like is we were looking for guarantees written guarantees from Bournemouth that if neighbouring farms or septic tanks or dwellings was affected by their rewetting, that they would do the remedial work and do it uh, speedily and without delay. And we were not getting those commitments. We spoke to Dorian King, the project manager, and she assured us everything was all right and that their hydrologists had done all the work and that everything was fine. But yet, nobody will give us a written guarantee that it'll be all right. We can't get to speak directly to anyone high up in Bournemouth, so we decided to go to the to the boss, we decided we'd go to Eamon Ryan. And Minister Ryan, we invited Minister Ryan to give us a date. He could choose the date that he wanted for a public meeting in Tullamore. ICMSA would chair the meeting and give the people of the Midlands a chance to ask questions and uh, have their minds put at ease about the rewetting. But Minister Ryan unfortunately snubbed the people of the Midlands. He said he hadn't, couldn't make it to the meeting. He made out first that we had asked him to chair the meeting. We never asked Minister Ryan to chair the meeting. We offered him a chair at the meeting to answer questions to the people of the Midlands. And he just says he hasn't time to attend a meeting in the Midlands to explain himself. 
and we feel that the responsibility lies with the Minister to come down to Offaly and give assurances to everybody, to all rural dwellers, because this isn't just a farming issue, MJ, even though ICMSA have raised it. It's not a farming issue. It's a rural issue. This is going to affect our roads, our septic tanks, maybe our well, wells as well. So, like, it's a huge issue, and it's, there's a lot of questions there not answered. We wanted written guarantees. We're not getting written guarantees. We're getting uh, a guarantee on a piece of paper, not even properly signed. Mm-hmm. That's not a guarantee. I could give you that myself, like, and I'd mean nothing. And that's why the, we're getting so far, MJ. And that's why we have concerns. We feel that this has been just pushed through and no real uh, consultation with local people. I suppose the big issue as well, the big issue as well, Michael, is with all this going on as it is, uh, the problems may not happen for two years, five years, could be ten years down the line. You know, we don't know. Uh, It's impossible to predict with with things like this. So this is really the big issue. It's the unknown, essentially. It's the unknown. This could take, as you said, we don't know what time span this could take. It could take five, ten, fifteen, maybe even fifty years. But like... At some stage, the bog is going to become fully saturated, and you are not going to be able to contain the water within the bog. There are lots of springs all around the country that went dry when Bordemona done their drains back in the 40s and 50s. And when you raise the water table again, those springs will come back up in fields that haven't seen them maybe for a generation. So, like, we're not talking about five or ten years. We're talking about generations. And it's generations of farmers that have been there and have drained the land and worked the land. And now they're in danger of it being re-wetted, uh, even if it be accidental by Borna Mona. But, like, all we want was assurances that if something happened, that remedial work would be done, whether that would be come in and pipe the water to a drain or some remedial work. We were not looking for compensation. We never asked for compensation. We were looking for written cast-iron assurances that if a problem arose on a neighbouring property or property in a... Uh, within a radius of the land that's been rewetted, that it would be set right without affecting the farmer. Yeah, it is reasonable uh, what you're looking for, Michael, and it's especially reasonable to be looking for a sit-down with the person behind it all, Eamon Ryan. Uh, the least they could do was come and just sit down and have a chat with the uh, potentially affected landowners. It's really not good enough for an elected uh, representative to, as you say, snub uh, the people of the Midlands in relation to this. It's not good enough, and I'd like to call on Minister Hackett now to impress on Minister Ryan the importance of coming down to her constituency and explaining to the people of the Midlands what he's doing. Like, if, if Minister Hackett holds any sway in the Green Party, she should be able to get him to Tullamore to a meeting. And if she's not able to do that, it doesn't look good for her. And like, I mean, she is a junior minister, and if she can't uh, have some sway with Minister Ryan... Uh, it really is a sad day for the Green Party. Yeah, well, I, I think I think the look the, the party need need to speak to the people who potentially uh, are are affected or could be affected by this. Uh, if nothing else, other than good courtesy, is what is what it would be, and and that is what you're asking for, and that that's the call you're making this evening on it, Michael. And uh, it is uh, it is something that you, the ICMSA, and indeed all the affected landowners in the Midlands are looking for. And I suppose that's where we leave it for at the time being, Michael. Hopefully, we'll pick it up when you get a response from uh, the powers that be. And I'll say many thanks for coming on and joining me this evening on the programme.
MJ, all I'd like to say is I'd ask the people of the Midlands to contact their local politicians, their local councillors, and express their concern to them and tell them that they want answers. Mm-hmm. Very good, I Michael. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, Angela. No problem. Uh, Michael Guinan there, Offaly Chairman of the ICMSA, and uh, a very passionate man, Michael, on that issue, and uh, he feels it really, really is a salient issue, and he's asking, asking you to contact your local representatives in relation to it. Uh, now, that is it for this evening's programme. I'd like to thank all of my guests who joined me here over the course of the last hour. Michael Guinan there from the ICMSA with Larkin Roach Kelly, from the Farmer's Journal. Uh, previous to him, we had Keith Fahi from Chagas, and he was telling us all about uh, a heifer which he put in the deep freeze and the kill-out rates in relation to her. Also, Brendan Golden from the IFA joined me at the start of the hour, and he was talking about the new Suckler payment. It's called the Suckler Carbon Efficiency Programme, and uh, there is payments of up to €150 Euro per cow to the first 22 cows on that, and we'll have more news on that over the coming weeks, all the different um, areas which you have to ensure that you are um, working to to get that payment. That's it for this evening's programme. I will be back with you on Wednesday week, this day week at 7pm uh, as usual. The show is repeated on Sunday morning from 7am through to 8am and we are available wherever you get your podcasts. If you type in MJ Space Cleary, C-L-E-R-Y will pop up, be it Spotify or the um, Google Play Store or indeed Apple and you can listen to us at your leisure. So until this night next week, I will say goodnight, God bless and hopefully we'll have a little bit of dry weather 